Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Well, <laughs> we really need the short version of that one, don't Do we? we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> I just, no, I really like. I start to zone out, and yeah. then I'm like, oh, there's the explosion. <laughs> Time to start the show. See, it wakes you right up. Get right Welcome back to Broad it. Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have coming for you tonight the Sean Couturier Appreciation Hour. He's not an all-star, but he is in our hearts, and we're going to let him know through this show. Uh, let me introduce you to the panel for the evening. First, my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Licious D. Steph Driver. How are you tonight, Steph? I am absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Our very own Charlie O'Connor for Christmas bought me a Blues Braden Shen jersey, and I'm wearing it right now. She's pretty pumped. I I like I almost cried. I didn't actually, but I probably will when I'm alone in the car on the way home. I believe it was this week on Ice Sport Radio, yeah. where you said the Blues weren't going to win the Stanley Cup <laughs> because I you, didn't have a because Braden already had the stupid jersey because you did not get a Braden Shen Blues jersey for Christmas. However, would you like to amend that statement now? The Blues are winning the Cup this year, folks. Oh, that's a foregone conclusion. Now. Charlie, I mean, did that's it. what's going to happen. Um, so my my official quick hit was that i finally said the words on a post game show this weekend i said the words the flyers might win the play might make the playoff no, hold on let's not the flyers might make the playoffs i said it on a broadcast and that i think I, I think i believe it like they might and i am having an identity crisis I don't know who I want to introduce. <laughs> <laughs> it's at Hinks, Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, so in that vein, over the weekend, just kind of as I collected my own hockey thoughts, as one does when they're alone on the weekend, I have decided to accept the fact that Dave Haxtell's probably going to serve the entire length of his contract here, and he's not going to get fired. What's interesting about that is that I think there's actually some 
question over how long the contract is. I thought it was five years. Well, Frank Saravalli, I've heard five and six. Frank Saravalli said five, and then Elliot Friedman in a column hinted that he thought there was six. Well, I believe Elliot Friedman implicitly about everything, so <laughs> okay. it's definitely yeah. six. But like like Steph said, they're they. I mean, they could make the playoffs this year, and even if they don't, the nature of the Metro is such that they're going to remain competitive through the end of the season. So if they don't make it, they'll be right outside one of those wild card spots, which is going to be like, oh, look at this guy making some progress, doing this with a bunch of ragtag kids. It's fine. We'll keep him, see what happens. And it's just going to continue like that until we're all swallowed by the sun. I mean, but that's like, it's not like that's a, like that could be next week. True. You know, you're, not saying, <laughs> True. you're not saying this is going to go on for years. I mean, any any day now. Drop and the nukes. Finally, from <laughs> theathletic.com. I have a Braden Shen jersey That's now. True, we can't drop now. the nukes yet. Charlie O'Connor. So I have a, it's more of a plea than anything. Please stop using raw standing points. No. To say, if the playoffs started today, here's who would be in the playoffs. Couple reasons why, but the main reason is that the playoffs would not ever start with teams having an unequal number of games. And the great thing is there's a very easy way to solve this problem. Just use points percentage. It's on hockeyreference.com. It's a real easy <laughs> thing. It's just the the percentage of points a team got versus the points they could have gotten. And it's just it's it, it annoys me because like you get to hear about how Pittsburgh is in a playoff spot. It's like, yeah, because Pittsburgh's played four more games than everyone else. Like they're not And they're like a point up on the Flyers. Yeah, like, like Pittsburgh has forty six mm-hmm. games, they have fifty one points. The Flyers have forty eight points, but they played three less games. So technically the Flyers actually are better than them in terms of amount of points they could have gotten, even though they look worse in the standings. Let's let's use that. And at the end of the year, then everybody will have the same amount of games that end up being fine. But in the short term, points percentage is better. Use it. Yeah, but if the playoffs started today, Pittsburgh would be <laughs> in. So. Kelly. There. Okay. okay, guys. Oh, I, God. I, I threw out a little hint to what my quick, quick hit was going to be on Twitter this afternoon. I oh said <laughs> I said I was going to try to use my powers for good. Clearly, I can oh. influence the general manager. I have you muted, so. Clearly, <laughs> I can. Clearly, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> you did tell me to piss off the other day. You're being a jerk. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, so obviously Ron Hextall listens to me. He brought up Tyrell Goldborn like 40 minutes after I told him to. Yep. I have influence over the general manager of this team. So, given that, we've been told uh, veteran presence is a determining factor in creating the lineup. Since we've seen a guy like uh, Yuri Laterra utilized on the power play despite getting only like 10 minutes a game, like playing fourth-line minutes and still being put on the power play, uh, and we've seen players like Tyrell Goldborn used in strictly defined roles, playing less than seven minutes a night, go get Yager. Oh, whoa. Yogs. All right. Into it. Play him a few minutes, uh, play him a few minutes a game after penalties on makeshift lines and put him on the second power play unit. Who has more presence than him? He is a literal living legend. Who better to influence the young up and coming players than that legend who may still honestly be able to contribute a little bit more to like a failing second power play unit than Yuri fucking Laterra? Or Dale Weiss, or whoever they're going to throw out there next. Ryan White, bring him back, I guess. If we're going to do this, let's do it as well as we possibly can. And like I said when I said bring up Tyrell Goldborn, obviously, 
I want Oscar Lindblom here. Danny <laughs> Martell is hurt, but I would like him to be here before he had his jaw broken. I would like to see Mike Vecchioni. But since we're not going to get those guys, get me Yager. It worked once. Why not again? I'm not saying putting him on the top line with Giroux again. I'm just saying... Play him 10 minutes a night and put him on the second power play. I bet you it'll be an improvement. So how are we making room for him? They have space. He doesn't make a lot. Of yeah, they, they, I know. I mean, like human body space. Oh, fire, Galway, the, the sun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Just no that's one's it. claiming Latera. I just I wanted to know what Letera. the plan was. Is it, sometimes when Bill makes sense, I get like confused. I need, like a second. <laughs> but like, so we talked about it on the Patreon show that really the only thing that he's missing right now is the wheels. So, like, remember when they used to just kind of, like, push by Lois out onto the ice and he would just punch <laughs> faces? Like, he couldn't really move. We just need to, like, push Yager out during the second power play unit. Push something up his nose, let, just yeah. like by Lois. Yeah, just let him get the shots off because he's still got the hands, and boom, you got some goals. And here's the I'm thing. I'm into it. Here's the thing. As slow as Yager is, he's still probably faster than Latera. <laughs> You really wouldn't be losing that no. much. And just like, I'm at, like, throw him out there with Nolan Patrick for a shift after a penalty or something like that. Yeah. See what happens. And then he goes right back to the bench. If you're going to use Goldborn seven minutes a night, why not Yager? So the only question I would have, and this is this is me assuming I'm actually taking this seriously and not the like half joke that I know it is, but I, I, I don't know if he would. Like Yager would want to play in that small of a role. Maybe he would. And truthfully, like whatever, let's give him a call and find out. But I just don't know if he'd be willing. We're to very play. close. They're gonna to that pay you, Yogs. They're gonna pay you. You can go <laughs> yeah. to the Sugar House right from the stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's right true. On yeah. Oh, okay. So Charlie, this point is separate from you. I get it. Okay. I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually. There's like, more blue, and it threw me off. I don't hate the idea of bringing Yager No. Back. I hated it in the beginning of the season, but now that I see what is happening this year... No, the idea of him blocking someone, you went, no, what's the point of right. that? Yeah. But since uh, those players are being blocked by literal bums, yeah. why not just go get a guy who might still be okay? Yeah. You don't know. We're not nearly as fast as like Calgary is, so that's not going to be the issue. No. Sean Couturier is our 1C. He's not any faster than anybody in this room. Well, how, would you just sign him for a year? Yeah. yeah. Just trade for him. It's a year deal. Yeah. Give him Dale Weiss. <laughs> Dale Weiss. That's how you make room for him. Here's an upgrade for you. He can play that rugged game you love out there in Western Canada. Well, all they right. probably need some glue. Um, so I'm thinking this through. So why, what if would Steph be... Steph likes it. I'm automatically going to change my mind. Well, no, like I do like it. So like you already, you already, like wh why would he want to come here? Like what is the benefit for him to get another three months of NHL time Instead of going back, I mean, maybe to he Europe. just wants to keep playing he's the got NHL. Else. I guess yeah. he's buddies with Giroux still, probably. Yeah. I would think. I mean, I don't think there's, it's going to happen. But there's three, it's not, it's not a crazy idea. There's three checks on this team, so there's there's something yeah, right Voracek, there. Yeah. Voracek, Neuvert, Neuvert, yeah. and Gudis. So there, yeah. he's got sure. some countrymen. I don't see why not. He needs to just hang out in locker rooms. He's got nothing else going on. That's this the is thing. The place. I feel like his main motivation in life at this point is just to have as much fun as humanly possible. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you're in a metro area. You've lived here before. You know some people. You got some friends. You know where Atlantic City is. You got some contacts down there. And Let's everybody it solidifies your post-hockey life continuing the same as your hockey life. Yeah. If you're a flyer, you've got oh, a job forever. for life. Job I mean, fa Facebook is calling for Yager for coach. 
I'm into it. I mean, Player coach. Yeah. Paul yeah. Newman style. I'm super into it. Bill, this is a far better use of your uh, of your powers. Yeah. I'm just going to see. Far if, better. Ron, if you're listening, Ron. you made the first thing come true. <laughs> Continue making this the most influential Do we have to Flyers hate podcast. it for it to come true? Because I'm not sure how the powers work exactly. I don't know how the powers work either. We might have well, to like say a word three times or something. <laughs> yeah, we're, sure. we're testing the limits of Bill's power. We're gonna see okay. what happens. I am now feelers. Put some feelers out. People after they called up Tyrell Goldborn, people told me, "Bill, just use your powers for good." Well, and this is, here it is, folks. I don't think this that's is how it me, works. This is me trying to do that. All right, so Charlie has a good point right here to start the outline. So while we've been yelling over the last two shows, we've done we, a lot of it. We've done quite a bit of that. <laughs> uh, the Flyers have been winning some games. They're seventh in the East in points percentage. That's which right. Charlie told us is good. Points percentage. Uh, they're 12-4-1 <laughs> in their last 17 games. What happened before those seven? Ten-game losing streak. So thank God for those loser points. Five loser points in those ten games there. Um, I know that we're an angry people, the four of us. Well, three of us. Uh, and Charlie, he's he's pretty he's I yelled last week. Yeah, Charlie Charlie's, did yell. Charlie's been on fire today. He but, has been spitting some hot yeah, fires today. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, we are an angry people, but when you look at <laughs> where they are in the standings and what we said we thought they were in the beginning of the season, they're kind of delivering, you know, those expected goal numbers? This is expected results. They are a bubble playoff team just as we basically thought they were. So here's the thing. So what are we mad about? Well, I'm, I'm well yes. Uh, Steph <laughs> has told us on numerous occasions she can always find something to be angry always. about. Always. And I'm going to shame Charlie for making us feel bad about our human feelings because <laughs> I don't think we've ever really been yelling on this show about results. We don't really seem to get super angry about game-to-game -game things. We get angry about process, and I still think that that is a valid thing to be angry about. They can win as many games as they want to, but as long as we're still looking at a team that's blocking Lindblom because they want to play Laterra, I'm going to be pissed. And I think it's valid. It's a valid reason to be pissed. I think they don't want to play Lindblom. If he, if they thought he could be up, he'd be up. They've already waved uh, the no, once this season. No, but that's the problem. They well, don't no, they think didn't. he. They don't didn't think they? he can. Who'd they send down? Reed. Yeah, but didn't they at some point wave Latera? No. no, no, that no. asshole has been here the whole time. I thought I remember him getting like Sticking sent down up the on press paper. Box. Maybe like he just day. dreamt it because it like, seemed like a no. good dream. It seemed like <laughs> like he got sent down for like a day or nope. something. No, no. okay. See, I, I don't even believe. I I think that they probably believe that Limblom is ready for the NHL, but they find more value in garbage piles. I don't for reasons. I don't agree with that. I, I'm more like I I do think there is a there's a feeling that they don't want to lose assets for nothing, and that probably contributes to it to a degree. But I also believe that they're not, like, they're maybe 90% sure that Limblom is ready, but that 10% is still like, well, it's not going to hurt him if we keep him down in the AHL for another month. So, and like, also, cares? they find value in garbage piles. Let us not forget that the Phantoms have to win, too, guys. Oh. <laughs> they got to oh make boy. the playoffs, man. S send Ghost back down. <laughs> no, but, like, it's kind of like we do complain. Like, yes, Limblom is the one. And when he got sent down in the beginning of the year, we were all unhappy about that. Because as soon as they traded Braden Shen, the four of us all looked at each other at the draft party and went, oh, Limblom's made the team. Like, we thought that was happening. Uh, no. Like, three of us thought it. <laughs> well, I mean. Well, either, either Limblom or Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, Patrick made the team when they drafted him. He was. Eh, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, he did make the team, but I don't yeah. know if it was a foregone conclusion. I feel like it. But we look at what's going on. Provorov is playing like 25 minutes a night. He's back to doing that again. Uh, Ghost is playing with him. So you have your top pair. You have Konechny now on the top line. So there you go right there. Sean Couturier is your 1C. They're using him in, in that offensive role we've been begging him for, and he's producing. We're going to get to that in a second, as I promised. And Patrick is still getting top nine minutes, despite not having really earned them in the first half of the season. And he's playing better. I, yes, I, I, no, he yeah. is. He's earning. The, he's playing better he's now, playing and that's all well now. good, and he's with good line mates, and that line is starting to click. But he didn't really earn those minutes in the first half of the season, and they stuck with him. That's fair. I, I think where I'm kind of coming from is that, like, by no means am I saying the process is perfect right now. Trust me. Like, there, there are things that annoy me, but things are getting better in terms of process. The results are obviously getting better, but the process is better too. Like, yeah, I can complain about, you know, Valtteri Filippolis to see and why isn't Scott Lawton further up in the lineup. And oh, we're going to complain about that. And, 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 and I can I can complain about Limblom not being up. I can complain that Leterra and we see any time at all. I can complain that Travis Konechny isn't on the second power play unit. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, these aren't moving the needle dramatically. And I don't know if, like, I don't know if this is a case of we're so used to being frustrated with Hackstall that like when he solves three things, we just go to the fourth thing. And then the fourth thing becomes really important because that just happens to be the most annoying thing at the time. But also I have like no reason to believe that Travis Konechny is going to stay on the top line. Like he I has. Could... Yeah. It's how been... many games has it been like four? Eight. It's has been, it been eight? It's, well, it's... Like, it, it, it started it happened during in, our Christmas yeah, party. Yeah, the Columbus game. Okay. And then there were what? It's eight games since the... Cl- eight. Including Columbus, but he's been like bumped off. Well, he in the got bumped games. off it in the Florida game because yeah. that, that was just a disaster. Good. It does I was gonna smell say really something good. smells delicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> our producer, Taylor I have is a little number here. And it smells I yummy. realize, I realize <laughs> that they had a ten-game losing streak, and there's no being like except for the ten-game losing streak. But hypothetically, if we were to take the ten-game losing streak out, in which they were. 5 and five, so they did get those five loser points, which are helping them in this playoff push right now. They're 20-10-3 outside of that 10-game losing streak. 43 out of 63 points in those games. That's a 683 points percentage. Outside of a 10-game stretch where we thought, wow, this team quit on the coach. Things are as bad as they've been here since the darkest hours of Barubi's tenure. (laughs) This team has been pretty good. Like, November was an absolute abomination. But October, October, December, and the beginning of January have been okay, except for, like, a couple of bad games. Yeah, see, on one hand, I I want to buy that, but, like, I want to be like, that's stupid because you can't just throw out 10 games. I know. At the same time, we did sort of last year at times throw out the 10-game winning streak. And well. we're like, well, aside from that 10-game winning streak, they've been awful. Yeah. yeah well. So it's kind of the same thing. God, what crap seasons. <laughs> so, like, I am, like, guys, I'm with you. got me a mug right here. Says November 28, 2017, <laughs> when Bill Matz finally gave up on Dave Hackstall. I don't believe Dave Hackstall is the coach that's going to win us a cup. I've just said from... After they got through the 10-game losing streak and all that, they missed their window to fire them. They're going to get through this year, and then we'll see how it goes. Um, they haven't been that bad, and right now, based on points percentage, would like be in the playoffs. How do you fire a coach who went to the playoffs two out of three years? You Again, don't. hypothetical. You don't. I'm speaking in hypotheticals right yeah, now. Yeah, so you are speaking in hypotheticals because the I, I understand 
the frustration and the point that you're making with the power with the points percentage for the playoffs thing, but that's not how it actually works. Um, it will after 82 games, though. Well, they still have to win the game. They still have to win. Yeah. I understand that. But with the points that they have right now, they're essentially tied for last and. Uh, Can we do away with this god? I I cannot take this playoff format. <laughs> it is the worst. So like, and when you look at just conference standings, you look at it and go like, are three teams who deserve to be in the playoffs going to miss because of this goddamn yeah, nonsense? Yeah, so Let's so stupid. so just look looking at the points that they have. So they're they're tied for both last and sixth place in the Metro. If they were in the Atlantic, they would be fourth. If they were in the Central, they would be behind the Blackhawks. They'd be last. If they were in the Pacific, they'd be fourth. So, like, they're they're a middling team. Yeah, they're a, mid- okay. they're, they're, they're a middling team. That's exactly what we thought they were. Bubble playoff team. They're on the bubble of the playoffs. I mean, that's the glass half full version. I, I did say it that they the could. It is the glass exists version. But they're also tied for last. Like, that's the other piece that you have to look at. They're tied for a three-way tie for last in the league. I mean, the, the division. The, the best argument I heard as to why people should still be angry, and this was, I believe, in Kurt's, uh, one of Kurt's midseason report cards, which were all really good. He basically said that, you know, yeah, you can look at it as the Flyers are where they're supposed to be, but if you were if you were told on the 1st of October that at the midpoint of the season, Sean Gattari was having a breakout year, Claude Drew and Jake Voracek bounced back, Shane Gossespierre was back to his rookie year self, and you told me that they were going to be outside of the playoff picture, you'd be pissed, which is totally fair. Like You could say that there's been, there's been things that have happened that should change our view of what this team should be versus our expectations at the start of the year. Because at the start of the year, we never thought Sean Gattari was going to be a point-per-game guy, and Claude Drew was going to be Claude Drew again, and Jake Voracek was going to be Jake Voracek. We hoped, but we didn't know. Now forget we know. them being... Forget those... and Forget the... Drew and Voracek being what they were. Production-wise, they're, they're better than they yeah. ever were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, they are having superstar years. But the team still is not great, and, that, and, and it, that's a valid Because point. they don't have a middle six. Well, that's the thing, and that's they what pisses could. me off. Like, we... I expected them to be a middling team, which they are, but I expected them to be a middling team with... Claude Giroux in decline, things well, no, like that. Well, no, but not him doing as well, but also, like, playing Lindblom every now and again, calling up some of the kids when they should have. But we're a middling team that could, with the way that the top line is playing, with the way that our best players mm-hmm. are playing, with the goaltending that we're getting out of well, Elliot. you got to get Brandon Manning in there. That's all there is to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I think if they were, Manning. If they were and, playing yeah. not Dale Weiss and not Yuri Laterra, perhaps we would be well into the playoffs at this point. And and that to that point, like the next the next piece is that we were also hoping for three rookie defensemen. Yeah. And, which, I yeah. mean, we've got one and a half one ish so <laughs> so yeah maybe our anger doesn't really mesh with the results that we're seeing but i don't think it's misplaced and i don't think it's irrational because there are still a lot of bad decisions being made around this team that if they continue the kind of luck that we're seeing this year and i think we can all agree that the way that couturier and Giroux are scoring it's a bit of luck as well as a bit of skill it's it's going to be a problem, and that's that's really where my anger lies. Is that the underlying philosophies that are governing this team are going to hold it back for the long term? I don't care what they're doing this year. Yeah, I think that that's pretty that's fair. fair. That's yeah. fair. Like, hey, thanks, guys. I'll but, just go now. 
<laughs> because it, it explains it, it perfectly explains why we're mad when everyone is telling us that we shouldn't be mad yeah i, I mean and it does so in a really rational way yeah, like winning <laughs> games is cool and good and everyone should enjoy it however we're winning games in spite of shitty decisions being made by the front office and the coach yeah and not because of and nobody expected to win the cup this season no. so like it really i, I think that not to say it was it was a giveaway season anyway, but we wanted to see some progress being made in some direction, and I guess it's just not enough. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. What I will say is that I believe that at least this year, like last year, we can, you know, Haxall kind of lost his mind. We yeah, can all last agree, year was we can just all a agree dead that, season. Yeah, that last year, like the amount that was a waste. The amount year. of yeah. bad decisions made from everyone involved were it was just it was yeah. mind blowing. This year, I think we're kind of, especially now, especially talking like over the last three weeks or so, we've kind of, I believe, entered the realm of like, for lack of a better term, acceptable stupidity from the coach in the front office, like. These kind of mistakes, like, okay, you're using Fulpola one line higher than you should, and your second power play unit kind of sucks, and, you know, McDonald shouldn't be playing over Gudis, but it's a second pair defensive versus a third pair defensive. Like, these aren't good. These aren't good process-related moves, but they're more in the realm of what I expect from any NHL team. Last year was different because it was far and beyond worse than, like, you know, we talk about like wins over replacement and things like that in baseball. These were like mistakes over replacement level level coaching. You know, like you have good penalty killers in Couturier and Simmons, and they're playing less than bad penalty yeah. killers in Vandevelde and Belmar. Exactly. That's just like okay, you're losing on purpose. Yeah. Like not, if you if you were tanking, that's what you would do. Yeah. Yeah. Like like this year to me, it's been more that you know, not to say Haxall has done a great job, but he's more or less you know done about you know. About middle, you know, he's, he's basically met reasonable expectations in my mind for an NHL coach. Now, combine that with his really bad performance last year, we see a problem. But I don't think he's necessarily been horrific this year. And he's trending upwards because now you're seeing things like Proveroff with Ghost and connecting on the top line. And, you know, things are getting better. And I, I just hope they keep getting better. As much as I disagree with some of his decisions, I do believe this team's biggest issue is depth. It's just yeah, that, fair. okay, yeah, I want Phil Blow on the fourth line and he's on the second line. They don't want to move Scott Lawton up. Okay, whatever. But they just need somebody better there. Like, they'd be better if Phil Blow was just better yeah, than he exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. Like, if yeah. Phil Blow was the Phil Blow of three years ago, we'd be fine. But since he's the Phil Blow of now, they get less than ideal results out of him. Well, I've got one thing to say about that, and then I'm just kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, if there was a website that existed called broadstreethockey.com that predicted hmm. that Philpola would fall off the cliff <laughs> and that all of his stats had gone dramatically downward in the last three years, like that would be cool, yeah, right? It, it turns out if you don't play him with Steven Stamkos, <laughs> he's not nearly as good as you think. Even I, for while one, playing him with so. Steven Stamkos. Hold on, I'm not done. Um, so I'm having I'm having an identity crisis around... A lot of things. Number one, we're all agreeing, and I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> and like rational, and and like calm. Yeah, it's weird. You no one told me not to do a yelling show this week. <laughs> I did. I so did. I actually I, look at how I built the outline. <laughs> I did. I, I gave everyone a lecture yesterday saying yeah. that there's been two two yelling shows in a row. Um, so I'm having an identity crisis because the only way that I know myself is to be Dave Hackstall's number one nemesis. Like that's that's what I know myself to be. But as I'm 
you know, looking at the team kind of do things that I think make sense ish. <laughs> That's a good um, way to put it. No, yeah. it is it is a real two steps forward, one step back thing. But yeah. but then I'm seeing some of the kids actually take a step forward and some of these things actually pan out. I'm starting to doubt some things. And I like it's a, it's a complete like I'm I'm having a crisis of identity. I'm getting I don't really know nervous. Like I, I don't I don't I don't like know. we can't turn into a pro Dave Hextall <laughs> podcast. Well, I don't think that's ever. No, that happen. will never happen <laughs> okay. because because the, I got the, really nervous. The idiot man but still scratched Shane Goss. But I do believe you're wearing the glasses. Oh, I am. Yeah, I just noticed. I do believe some of our frustrations with the decision making sometimes are frustrations in development not being an escalator. There are peaks and valleys, especially for young players. And since it's not all... My frustration is not at all with the players. Because we like the players. But sometimes Travis Konechny doesn't deserve to get top-line minutes. Oh, for sure. But when he reaches a certain level, it's, oh, he really is this good. See, that's that's also not what my problem is. It's because the, the deserving and the earning of the minutes is so arbitrary. Yeah. Like, there's no consistency. It's like, oh, well, Travis Konechny, you pooped before noon today so you get top line minutes but tell we you didn't so you only get nine minutes tonight yeah and, and you even see it now like we all agree things have been better recently but it's it's kind of insane and granted maybe part of this is on Knobloch versus Axel but it's kind of insane that you have Travis connecting on the top line and scoring well as a top liner and he's not on the power play like that doesn't make it's any really sense it's really all right so you mentioned ghost uh Steph uh, Charlie, what was with this ghost illness? Bad so he, sushi, right? He just so he practiced today. Um, you know, because he had the poops. well, because it's hockey and because it's the NHL and Hextall runs such a tight ship. Like he wasn't going to say exactly what happened, but you know, he just seemed like he was run down. I don't know if he had you know maybe a you know ear, nose, and throat thing or the poops. I don't know. It's possible, but he practiced today. He's good for tomorrow. It, awesome. it just, you know, it just sucked because, and granted, they won the game, but it sucked because him and Provorov have looked so good together. I know. And then and you got a game without I've that. been, I was at a party for the Eagles game on Saturday. So Ooh. I'm just like, I, I like real quick, just check my phone and I see that Ghost is just among the scratches. So like, oh, oh here we fucking, go again. I was like, are we fucking doing this? <laughs> like, for real? <laughs> We're back to this now? <laughs> And Could then, you imagine this show had that have been the case? I wouldn't have shown up today. <laughs> I'm like, you got it. I don't even. <laughs> we only need one per. If Ghost were to get scratched arbitrarily again, like we wouldn't need all four of us no. to do the show. We could just have one person just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I volunteer as tribute. It's good. <laughs> one person do like 48 minutes, and then that's that. No, I got but, this. Uh, all right, so this came up on Ice Sport Radio last night. We were talking like about you know award races, midseason, and everything. You see a couple of flyers in the top five in, like, every offensive category. You see the basically what was the whole first line to start the year having amazing seasons. Are Drew Voracek or Couturier, any of them, in the Hart Trophy discussion? No. Uh, just for Drew, 43 games, 54 points, second in the league, 40 assists, second in the league. Voracek, same 43 games, 53 points is fourth, 45 assists, leads the league. And then Couturier, 25 goals, third, 45 points overall in 43 games. Yeah. That's Sorry. delicious. I, th- I think I think Giroux will get votes. Yeah. Yeah. I he don't... got the all-star vote. He's kind exactly. of the guy around the league. People would point to him. Oh, yeah, he's good again. I'll give him a third place vote, something like that. Yeah. I don't I don't think the other two, though. It's just, you know, it's Which interesting. It's interesting to me because 
like as much as I love Drew, and I mean he's it's been awesome this year to watch him bounce back, and I think there's a really good chance he's going to end up having the most points out of any of the three, just because he QBs that power play, so he's in on almost yeah. every goal they score on that power play. What may hurt him in terms of heart voting is that even though he's going to have the most points and he's going to be like the logical choice, like a lot of the people watching this team, most of the people watching this team, if you ask like who's the MVP of the team, they, I think they'd say Couturier. Yeah. And I have some numbers here that are just a lot of fun. More numbers that back up the, uh, I said I wanted to make this show the show on Couturier Appreciation Hour. We're about half hour in, so I want to get it started. Um, 36 even strength points, fourth in the league, behind a few guys you may have heard of before, Johnny Goudreau, 37, Connor McDavid, 38, Nikita Kucherov, 39. 19 even strength goals, third most behind Alex Ovechkin, 20, and Kucherov, 24. Uh, to get to that, uh, Konechny doesn't play on the power play thing. Michael Grabner also has 19 even strength goals. None on the power play. He doesn't play on the power play hmm. for the Rangers. I, mean, I guess he scores That's a lot of his funny. goals on like breakaways. Yeah, he like but... blocks shots and goes on breakaways yeah. and shit. But still, you, you think, think might a be guy with 19 goals, you put him out on the just the second unit? Like I, I yeah. who knows? All coaches but are anyway. Bad. Back uh, back to Couturier. <laughs> Over 55. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a second. <laughs> over Couturier, over fifty-five percent on even strength face-offs. If you're into the plus-minus thing, plus sixteen. And I always say I like to look at plus-minus as a relative stat. Um, he's been joined at the hip with Drew, who's a plus ten, good, but plus sixteen. You look at like the impact Couturier has in that Devils game. Uh, the Flyers give up a goal to the he-share line with Nolan Patrick on the ice. Next shift, they get Couturier out there with uh, with Wheel and Simmons. Couturier creates a goal, wins a battle, gets to the rebound goal. That's the kind of impact he's having this year. Uh, Flyers have 80 even-strength goals, 5-on-5, five 4-on-4, 3-on-3. Four three three. Coots has 36 even-strength points, 45% of their even-strength production. And a really, really underrated part of Couturier's game, considering uh, he's the number one center and still gets like the shutdown minutes, 15 penalty minutes and only five minor penalties, playing against top centers and having the kind of impact he has in the defense of a neutral zone. He's awesome. So, dare I say... Elite. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking we can finally yeah. just say Th this it. year he's definitely been. Yeah. He is incredible this year. These num. I was looking up these numbers today, and I kept finding more numbers. I agree. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're on board, Steph. I, I'm right there with you guys. Sean Kateri is, is an elite forward, not just elite defensive forward. He is an elite hockey player, and we're there in his year 25. It happened. It happened. Hot damn. But yeah, going back to this this heart discussion, like I feel like Couturier, like Couturier is going to absolutely be in the battle for the Selkie, which like, is hilarious. Like, like that's his award. Yeah. If he wins an award, it's going to be the Selkie. It's not going to be the heart. But I feel like you're going to have like it's going to hurt Giroux if Giroux finishes with like 90 plus points. It's going to hurt him because people are going to look at him and they're going to say, "Well, yeah, he racked up all these points, but that's because he's playing next to the Selkie winner." Yeah, and mm. Couturier is not going to have the points to get him to the point where he's a Selkie and a hard candidate. I did a thing a couple of years ago, uh, either for Sons of Penn or Orange Update, who we, whoever we were at the time, and it was like ranking um, what the awards really do for like individual awards for team performance, and based on where their teams went, 
the Selkie is the real MVP. Like, you were in the conference final if you had the Selkie winner. Mm -hmm. And, like, the MVP was, like, a first-round exeter. Like, yeah, didn't even, like, average second round and stuff. Like, I did that with a couple of the awards. And the Selkie was the actual MVP award if you were a finalist for that one. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about this during our our Patreon show yesterday because we were talking about how the heart's such a weird award because it never goes to defensemen. And, you know, really, maybe it should go to goalies all the time because they play so much relative to everyone else. It kind of got me thinking, you know, maybe, and they'll never do this, ever. But maybe it makes sense if you just have – you have three awards. You have literally the Hart goes to the best goalie. The Norris goes to the best defenseman. The Selkie goes to not just the best defensive forward or two – just goes to the best forward. Because really, if you think about it, like the best two-way forward really should be the best forward in hockey because yeah. it's a two-way game. Like even if you're Connor McDavid and like people, oh well, Connor McDavid's not that good defensively. Well, if you have the puck all the time, it kind of works in the sense of like two way because there is no other way. It's only with the puck. So I almost wonder if you could make it like Selkie is best forward, and then the heart is who out of those three is viewed as the most valuable out of the three winners. That would kind of be neat to me. Yeah, that's what always got on my nerves about the Selkie. Like I feel like Couturier was playing Selkie Trophy hockey before. Because if it's for the best defensive forward, he was an amazing shutdown center even before the goal started to come. So really, if that's what they're giving the award for, he's been he should have been in that conversation for a long time. But they just give it to the guy who scores a lot of goals and also gets back when he has to. Yeah, like it also just, has yeah. a good defensive relation, right. yeah. uh, reputation, not relationship. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's it's so much of a reputation award. Like, it is for sure. I feel like guys win it after they like deserve it. Like Couturier will now be, and it's not going to go like it's going to go to the Pavel Datsuks of the world. It's not going to go to the checking center. Like yeah. as good of a defensive center as you might be, it's going to a one C. Yeah, what was like that's the, just the way it is. Like the last player I can remember who wasn't like a clear top six forward and got the Selkie was probably John Madden. Yeah, that's like the last guy I can think and of. He's Every, just got a great name. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but everyone else has been. You're absolutely right. You know. Taze, Kopitar, yeah. Bergeron. Like, not to say these guys aren't deserving. They they were for the most part. They might be the best two way center. They might they might have been like they might have been the best player. And yeah. like maybe Sidney Crosby deserves to be, or maybe not this year, but like in the past, maybe he deserved to be in the running for the Selkie because the Tiz team outscored the opposition dramatically when he was on the ice. So you know, who cares if he doesn't have a defensive rep- reputation if the other teams never score him because. Penguins always have the puck, then maybe that is warning the Selkie. So, it, it, it isn't based on the current system, no. but maybe it should be. We do the uh, – I'm going to just keep talking a, f- a few numbers here for Couturier. Yeah. We do the on-pace for thing a lot. <laughs> and, you know, it's just for funsies because your pace can change game to game. Sure. But as of Monday, January 15th? Not yet. That's yet. today. You're right. Uh, Coots is on pace for roughly 48 goals and 86 points. That's pretty good. Drew's <laughs> second highest total in his career is 86 points. That's the type of breakout year Sean Couturier is having. So someone asked me on the post game this weekend, over or under Sean Couturier 50 goals. And I, I paused and I, I took the under. And my reasoning was the worst thing that happens is I'm wrong, and Sean Couturier has 50 goals. And that's a trade-off that I will take any day of the week. Like, this is a man that has not scored more than 40 points in his career, and we're looking at 
86. He might score uh, 40. There's it. a good chance he's going to score 40 goals after yeah, never scoring right. 40 points in a season. Like this he's is, got three straight two-goal games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't even like have the words to describe how... I want to say I'm surprised. I'm surprised at this production. I'm not surprised that he's a good player. I've always known that he's a good player, but I never expected this type of production from him. I never expected to be on this show asking you guys if you thought Sean Couturier deserved heart trophy consideration. No. I never thought he was that good. Um, sure, I, like, And the other thing about his goal total – they went a month without winning games. Sean Couturier plays in the final minute of close games. He's got three straight two-goal games. Two of those were empty netters that he tacked on. If they continue winning, he'll be in more empty net situations mm-hmm. to pad his total. So it could be like 50. I mean, if if you ever want to argue that line mates don't make a difference, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like... <laughs> Line mates make a difference. <laughs> like a little bit. It's no. better to have, like, he's it's been better. playing with garbage for his entire career with the Flyers. All of a sudden, he's not. And, oh, look, he's actually good. It's better to have Claude Giroux than R.J. Umberger, apparently. Imagine it. <laughs> it, it does help. And and really, like, because this is something that has been thrown around on social media is this idea, and it's 100% true, is that, you know, Couture was scoring at even strength the last couple years very well. Not to this degree, but he was scoring very well, and he got hurt from the fact that, A, he wasn't delivering anything on the power play. B, he both years he missed, like, 15 games each, which lowered his raw totals. But... You, know, you can make a case that this really got kicked off two years ago, yeah. which was when Hackstall, which, I mean, as, oh, as, no. as much as we criticize him, like I have always said, the one undeniable feather in his cap is that Couturier has played very well under Hackstall. And one thing that Hackstall did is he stopped playing Couturier with Reed and Umberger and guys like that. He actually gave him good line. This year he's had his best line Well, mates. yeah, now he's got yeah. two legit all-stars. But he, he got better line mates starting two yeah. years ago. And I will say the other thing, I believe, like, in the exit interviews uh, after, was that Hextall's first year when they still had Baruby, when it was like, oh, we might keep him, and then they canned him. They asked, like, Baruby was asked straight up, like, what, what, what are you doing with Couturier, man? Like, you know, he's <laughs> only playing in the defensive zone. He's playing with R.J. Umberger, who's got, like, one leg, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's it, You're not using him right, and he's just going to... Oh, you know, Bergeron and Marchand do all that defensive zone stuff, and they're fine. Like, all right, yeah, legit all-stars. Like, he's 22 years old. Back up here. But, like, (laughs) that was like a nail in the coffin that Ron Hextall kind of looked at that and goes, oh, you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) I have to bring in someone who knows how to utilize how good Sean Couturier might be. I think that was a little bit of recognition on Hextall's part as well, and it was something, like, I believe that might have been part of the interview process. Like, what do you see in Sean Couturier? It's very possible. Yeah. Absolutely. That's an interesting point because I I remember that. I remember Barubi. You like my Barubi impression? Yeah, it was was good. It was was very good. (laughs) 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 That's what I think Giroux heard when Barubi. Like Drew's sitting there, like you're telling me about hockey. It, it, it was like it was like the uh, how the adults sound on Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, but anyway, but what I was getting at with Couture was I remember that that comment because he said he might have said it in the exit interviews, but I think he said it near the end of the year, and he basically said, "Well, I'm giving him second line center minutes. You know, I, yeah. he's, he's got to score with them. He's not going to the defensive zone all the time. And you know, yes, you're technically right, but when 
you're giving a guy second line center minutes, but his line mates are Matt Reed, who was playing on one leg that year, and R.J. Umberger. It's not going to matter how many minutes you give him with those guys. He's not going to yeah. score that much. That's even worse. Okay, so you're giving him second line center minutes, which also means you're giving R.J. <laughs> <laughs> second line minutes? He's got a bad back. He went 82 consecutive games without a goal. Yeah, yeah that's he was bad. Two seasons. That was <laughs> that was fun. That was he fun had that time, cheeseburger guys. named after but, uh, him. <laughs> yeah. I want a cheeseburger named after me. Hey, his first stint here, I loved Umberger. It was just like yeah, you're yeah. done. But I, I, I love this this comment you haven't read because it's it's probably the thing that makes this that should should get fans the most like my, optimistic. About looking this. at when I look at these on pace for numbers, and Kelly makes note of it's like those things could go up, they could go down. It's but it's a rough estimate of what he's done to this point. Yeah, I can't let you guys get it. too positive. I can't, but when I look <laughs> at it, my number one thing is, because like you said, no one expects this team to compete for a cup this year. But when I look at Sean Couturier, I think, what if he's really this good? And to me, what that means is they have a true 1C and he's 25 years old. On a great what, contract. Yeah, on a great mm-hmm. contract. You made a note a couple weeks ago that we go from having the best bargain in hockey in Wayne Simmons straight into having a 1C at, what is he, 4.3? Yeah, something like, like that. Like, yeah. making ridiculously low number for a, like, legit all-star here who's going to have 48 goals. Uh, we also have a potential 1D in Provorov who just turned 21. Potential. Two, Get two that word ago. out of there. I mean, like, <laughs> Get that word the fuck out teams, of there. He's these teams 1D, but I mean, like, potential. There's through, only 1D in this team, on this team. Potential. It's Provorov. Potential wow. Duncan Keith. <laughs> I got jokes. Potential Duncan Keith Drew Dowdy level yeah. Yeah, that's 1D. In Bill Provorov, is ignoring my jokes. And he turned 21 two days ago. And then Carter Hart, still 19, dominating his level as good of a goalie prospect as, we, as we've seen in this league. Again, no idea what he's going to be. He could be a total bust. But as How of right you. now, there's not a better goalie prospect and there hasn't been. He's got all the credentials that make you think he's a franchise netminder. And that's the backbone. You have the 1C, you have the 1D, you have the goalie. If nothing else, this year might be a lost year, but they have the backbone. So I'm going to be the ice cold water on this <laughs> we're getting we're getting a little bit worked up about this erection. team <laughs> oh, yes that's exactly what it is i'm sorry it's actually provorov 1d um <laughs> um so you know how I'm, I'm saying this because i'm wearing his jersey everybody is saying that Braden shen cannot produce this way without jane schwartz and or Tarasenko Mm -hmm. like that's whoever you're talking to it depends on which other which other winger they say that is the reason for his production what if Sean Couturier cannot produce like this away from Claude Giroux never break them up I mean well that's a good point Giroux is going to be here forever he's signed but Giroux I mean this year aside he may start declining again like he is he, he did just turn 30 He's yeah. under contract for what another four years? I mean, maybe he's, when he's maybe, even if this is this bounce back is truly a bounce back, like maybe by thirty two he's not as good. I, I agree that Drew is part of this. You know, mm-hmm. Drew's absolutely oh, they a are, major part. Of they this. are helping yeah. each other so much. I believe that it is a real symbiotic relationship. Like Sean Couturier, I love the guy. He's not this good, no. but he's playing this well because he has Drew. But I watched Drew the last three years get worse. And the fact that they have him at wing, the fact that he doesn't have to do literally everything that they were asking him to do, 
is helping both of them because Sean Couturier, he's awesome at that everything else stuff mm -hmm. that Claude Giroux also had to do because he was the only good player. And I, I, I just think they're a great duo, and you just don't break them up. They just really, really rely on each other this year, and it's why you see Voracek, okay, we need to break up this super line because we have no depth. So you move Voracek down. But we're not messing with this Giroux thing because yeah. it's yeah. working, and we have this Giroux contract that looked 365 days ago like a fucking disaster. Now he's going to have a 100-point season. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just – like I'm, I'm asking, like legitimately asking. We don't care that the production is. Well, I, I, I just feel like it's like a thing that we're not going to know for probably like two years. Well, unless they break them up. Well, unless they happen. break them up. I mean, I think we do kind of know. We've seen enough of Sean Couturier without Claude Giroux to know that the scoring was never there until he was with Claude I, I mean, Giroux. I, know. I think he's taken a step up this year, regardless. Y yes. But he, it's, it's a step up that's then being inflated by the Giroux. And he's on Giroux's power play, and anyone on Giroux's power play is going to score. True. You look at these numbers. Where do I have it? Yeah, Flyers power play creeping back up. Voracek, 22 power play points, sixth in the league. Giroux, 21 power play points, eighth. Gostas Bear, 18 power play points, most by a defenseman. Wayne Simmons had had a had a bad first half of the year by Wayne Simmons standards. Eight power play goals, fifth most. If you're on Claude Giroux's power play, you're going yeah. to score. Braden Shen, awesome year this year. He's got like four power play goals. He led the league last year. So here here's kind of my response to that in that, you know, what if, if Couture isn't this good without Giroux? My question, my response question is basically, well, what, like, what does that mean? Okay, Couturier's not a point-per-game 80-point player a year without Giroux. Is he still a 60-point player without right. Giroux? Because if he is, is he still a one if he is, I'm going to throw yeah. some, some stats out to you. Here is Patrice Bergeron's point totals every year it was an 82-game season. 57, 64, 62, 55, 68, 53. And no one thinks he's anything less than an amazing yeah. 1C. So if Couturier can yeah, can point. score 60 points a year without Giroux and still drive play to the degree he's done this year and drive positive outcomes and play great defense, play great two-way, like so I'm cool with a 60-point uh, Sean Couturier as yeah. 1C. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think we should expect some drop-off if it was not Claude Giroux on his wing, but I think if it's, you know, not R.J. Umberger, if it's some <laughs> other... <laughs> moderately skilled winger. I forgot. Like, I had literally blocked that out of yeah. my mind before I listened to Fly Purpley yesterday. Yeah. I completely yeah, I, blocked it out of my mind. R.J. Umberger. His whole... I remember being in the press box where it's the only... Uh, no, I cheered two times in the press box. Uh, one time... It wasn't even a cheer. I just, like, let out a... Spontaneous. Spontaneous. Yeah, like, uh, one time Simmons had this, like, wraparound and got absolutely robbed on, like, a beautiful split save. And I was just like, Oh! And they never looked at me. I was like, sorry. That was just, it was an impressive save. Like, and it was, like, could have been a goal. Like, yeah. it was just a crazy play. And then when RJ Umberger finally broke that, it was in, from one season to the next, it was a full season. It was 82 games he oh went God, without a goal. Yeah, yeah. And he just put his hands up in the air and, like, looked up to the sky. I was like, ha! <laughs> 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 like, and it was, but everyone knew because it was hilarious because it got to the point where it was like 80 games without a goal, dude. Like, most people have one. Like, Zach Ronaldo scored a couple of times on the stretch. <laughs> like, maybe you should have one. Uh, but it's, like you said, I do expect if if Drew isn't having all-star level Drew or they move him off that line, the scoring could go down. But, yeah, I, 
he's been a good even strength producer for the last two years. Injuries have hurt him. So uh, as long as he's a one C, it's awesome. I'm just so happy he's good. I, like, I, I, I gave up I gave up on this dream two years ago. And now it's back, and I don't know. I like it, it, this is again identity crisis. I don't know what to do with myself this season. <laughs> and, and and really, when it comes down to it, like the Flyers are deve- are putting together some really good center depth, like yeah. organizational yeah. center depth. If you operate under the assumption that Sean Couturier is a one C, because if you operate under the assumption Sean Couturier is a one C, then Nolan Patrick just has to be a two C, and then you have Morgan Frost, and then you have Scott Lawton, who looks like maybe a three C, and then you have Mikel Vorobiev. Like <laughs> you have a bunch of guys who can play the pivot, who could be legitimately good. But the big thing that was always in the back of your head is like, well, are any of these guys one Cs? Yeah. Well, now they have. That's one. the thing that made the Giroux contract look like such a disaster. It was. Oh, okay. We're not even going to be able to afford a one C. Go out and buy one. They won't have one, and he's stuck here. Like we're in a lot of trouble because of this. Now everything's peachy. I can't. I can't believe that this is so the now that, that we're having. But now we're going to do <laughs> such a weird. Now season. we're so going to now we're going to do our complaining part because I didn't want to oh, do. Thank God. I didn't want to do a complaining show. They're on a little bit of. A I'm win in the streak. best mood of my life right now. Don't do this. They're on a little bit of a winning streak, but we do need to complain about something to uh, to keep. Do the I brand get to alive. pick, or is it already here? No, we're doing Lawton. Charlie used the Charlie oh, Lawton. reference. We're Lawton. complaining about Scott Lawton. No, I'm not complaining about Scott Lawton. I'm complaining about how Scott Lawton is being used. Okay, mm. I'm here for um, this. I, 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 just a thing we discussed briefly last week. Can we please get Lawton between Voracek and Raffle? I understand uh, the idea of defining his role as a bottom sixer and taking all of last year to make him that. And ideally, when the reinforcements get here, he's your 4C and a damn good one. But since we're doing this compete and rebuild thing, uh, wouldn't giving the second most effective center, the second most ice time, contribute to this playoff push? Yes. I'm shaking my head no. Kelly's nodding. No, I need Nolan Patrick between Michael Roffel and Jake Voracek and nobody else. That's who I but need. He's not good enough. He yet. is not doing he's, the he, thing. He's getting there. Like, he's fine. And that line's guys. starting to work. I don't want to break up that line. I That's like fair. him with Wheel and Simmons. Yeah, then I working. think you have a good top three <sighs> lines. If you put Lawton up there with Voracek and Raffle and keep Patrick where he is with Wheel and Simmons, I like your top nine. Then your fourth line is a fucking disaster. Eh. But most fourth lines are. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. I mean, There's no way it's worse than Belmar and We've had a disaster of a yeah. fourth line for, I mean, as many years as Except I can remember. Except for the first month of this season. Yeah. For well, most I'd of. I'd say the first three months. It's been. Uh, no, well, they had to move so Raffle off, and right. then that it the whole only, thing went to shit. It was only a month, shit. wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. The honeybees only existed yeah. for a month. It, it is kind of weird that like rate. they spent so much time, I guess, beating him into that fourth line role, like making him understand, like, like fucking like a clockwork oranging him, oranging <laughs> him, like you are not a you are not a top line center. I don't care how get many to the red line and dump. Yeah. Yeah, so they spent a lot of time, like, psychologically beating him down into understanding that his role in the NHL is a fourth-line center. But he's playing really well, yeah, and, and, and the other two aren't, so it seems kind of dumb that they don't just put him up a little we bit. We had this idea in our heads that when we needed it, when the Flyers needed it, Belmar could play up in the lineup, and that was not true. Remember yeah, when no. Zach Ronaldo right now, did that? Right. <laughs> Remember when Zach Ronaldo was on the top line with Claude Giroux? Well, sometimes you guys. Chris Vandevelde had a game on the top line. Too. <laughs> I remember. I wrote a, I wrote a 1,500 word article saying how dumb it was. 
But and like, that's how Charlie got now. I look at a team that needs someone to play up in the lineup because they don't have a two C, and Scott Lawton could do it since they need it. Like we said, we could do it, Belmar. Let's do it. Yeah, it, it's fascinating you bring this up because this is sort of that that constant conflict between developing versus winning now. And we've talked about how the Flyers seem to want it both ways. And this is that Lawton is like, <laughs> yeah. he's a classic example of, okay, well, are you more concerned about developing him or are you more concerned about winning? Because if you're more concerned about developing, I get keeping him in the bottom six, but if you're more concerned about winning, he should be getting more but minutes. Even development. Okay. So he's not a two C moving forward for a cup contender, which we hope to be at some point. Sure. Wouldn't having that experience be good on your fourth line? Like, oh, he can play second-line minutes. He knows how I to do it. I don't disagree And then you have a situation like, I don't know, the Wait. playoffs two years ago where Sean Couturier got injured and you were without a second center? Oh. You had no second center? Wouldn't he, like, if in that situation, oh, we could bump Lawton up and it'll be fine. We are like, not still developing Scott Lawton. No, I think he's cooked. He's cooked. No, he is he's what, got all yeah, the no, seasoning he, is he needs. What he is. He's yeah. very salty, and it's a fourth-line center is the thing. He's a honeybee. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the no, original. Yes, he is a fourth-line center, but since this team doesn't have four good centers. No, no, no. I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just like this whole, like, oh, or development. Like, if they... If they have to develop a mindset. Yeah, if yes, they're committed exactly. to developing, I guess, Nolan Patrick into a 2C, then I guess playing him at 2C, but we're doing this half-in, half-out thing, so if we're actually going to try to make the playoffs, oh, yeah. then Scott Lawton makes the most sense at two and put Nolan at three and then let him find his I have find his no problem with bumping Patrick up if that's what we're – okay, we're just worried about development. Okay, cool. Right. Let, him, let him sink or swim there. Whatever happens, happens. But since we're playing Philpola, who is old <laughs> and ineffective and in no way factors into the future, no. I think maybe you could better use those minutes giving them the Lawton because he's both better and going to be here long term. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I I think it makes sense. I absolutely once think, again, Bill's correct. I absolutely yeah. This is a bizarre show. I don't know what's happening, Charlie. I used I used your numbers. You Look, did. I see relative fourth Corsi. best Corsi four percentage relative to teammates. Second best rel- relative scoring chance per uh, relative scoring chance four percentage. Eleven points at five on five. Same number as Ghost and Raffle. Okay, Only we'll pro Ghost is, Ghost is yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just using players. Okay, These okay. are all your top line players. These just are stating facts. Yes. <laughs> Same number as Ghost and Raffle. Only Provorov, Konechny, Katorie, Voracek, and Giroux have more even strength point five on five points than Lawton. So your top line players. All of them. These are all your premier guys, and Scott Law. So maybe put him up with them. So, mm. so the one argument I would have against that. This is more stylistic than anything. I, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I know after the first like two months or so, Lawton was generating was had like a really really good uh, advanced stat profile. Like his course, he was good. His expected goals numbers were good, but he was doing it by shot suppression. Like the Flyers weren't generating a ton of shots and chances when he was in the ice, but they were preventing even they were they were preventing so so many that the the ratio looked really good. So it's possible that Lawton might not fit with Voracek, particularly because Voracek is obviously a you know offense guy. That's who he is, and maybe the stylistic fit they don't feel like is there. I do think though there's something to be said for you know maybe giving Lawton the chance to play a little we'll bit see more what offensively because Philpola stinks. Yeah. So Jake Farringer, who I have kind of convinced to write for me, has suggested. <laughs> Just say it, and it's true. I mean, uh, kind of. Yeah, it's it's um, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> now it's true. Sorry, buddy. Has 
suggested two lines that I kind of like a lot. So as the second line, Will Patrick Voracek. That's interesting. The third line, Raffle Lawton Simmons. Yeah, fine. That's cool it. too. Yeah, I could live with that. I'm yeah. into it. The third yeah. line be a little more defensive, and then you're, yeah, you're giving you're giving Patrick Voracek. You're hoping that that Voracek carries him a bit. Yeah, develops. Yeah, that, I'm fine with all that. I'm just looking at the current structure is what I'm talking yeah. about. If we were to just flip. Philpola and Lawton, we'd probably be better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in the end, we're basically yeah. saying like switch Lawton and Philpola. Yeah. And if you need, if you need to change up yeah, the combos, move a little your bit, wingers, that's move fine, your wingers. But... I'm just in based on the current structure, Philpola is not good anymore. Yeah, the point is no. Even though no Charlie more said Philpola. he was good in the last game, uh, I mean, I said he looked a little bit faster. <laughs> his, his, his advanced stats were still bad. Philpula, Philpula. <laughs> Oh, it's ten thirty. Um, so oh, before it. before we head off the air for the evening, I want to talk about fans of Philly. Yeah, Ooh. and our our Vegas trip, which is now a month away. I'm just gonna raise the roof I, the whole I, time. You I do still this. like. I I'm That's so happening. excited about this Vegas this trip. Um, but there are two more trips that they're doing this year to also warm places that I want you guys to check out. Going to Fort Lauderdale. Oh. To like see, I mean, the Florida Panthers, but it's, yeah, I mean, team. it's great warm. strip clubs in Fort Lauderdale. And also Raleigh, North Carolina to watch the Hurricanes and to visit our friend Eric T. Dr. Eric the, T. The, how my bad. You? The good doctor. <laughs> um, so check them out. They also have a Sixers road trip to Milwaukee. Oh, fun. Um, they're on that because I'm weird. That's gonna really be Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, let's do it. Um, the good land. Check them out. If you're not coming with us to Vegas, rectify suck that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> or suck it. <laughs> You'll miss the final show because we might all die while we, we're we out We may there. all die when we're in Vegas, but it'll be it's worth possible. it. Um, I'm most concerned about that Monday before the red eye break. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah that's, when we have no more responsibilities. <laughs> We, we don't have to work anymore, and we have an entire day. Oh God, just I hadn't to, considered that. just to drink in Vegas, I'm and scared. and I don't get on planes sober. I don't know if you guys oh know this. Oh boy, like we we actually may die in Las Vegas. So, so come should, and join like, us. Come for and that. join yeah. us so that you can say that you were there. And that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. If you watched live, uh, my name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Steph, for Kelly, have a great week, everybody. Go Eagles. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. 
those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Smart.